Welcome to the Sermon Podcast at Bethel. We're a covenant church located in western Wisconsin, and you can find out more information about us at BethelCov.org. My name is Todd Speaker. I'm the pastor here, and I want to thank you for listening. Uh, but the place I, I kind of wanted to start is John 10.10. 10. You know we've been spending a lot of time in John uh, through this little mini-series. Uh, we've been talking about Uh, Three things that uh, we believe are true that we maybe learned in Sunday school right alongside uh, Jesus loves me, which was actually the first thing we talked about. Uh, But sometimes we have a hard time uh, believing them uh, uh, in in our lives, in reality, and and in how we treat others. And so just a a quick little recap uh, before we we get to that verse. The the first week we did this on Rally Sunday, we talked about uh, this obvious um, uh, in our heads, but maybe not so obvious in our hearts, uh, truth that God, the creator of the universe who made everything and made you himself, uh, that God actually loves you, um, that he actually loves the world, and not just in some sort of distant and hypothetical and theoretical construct that God is is love and good, and therefore he must love, but, but God actually loves you, and the images in scripture for that are, are uh, a father reunited with his long-lost son, a woman who scours her house for a coin, and a shepherd who uh, leaves behind all of the safe sheep to pick up one lost sheep. We talked about how all of us, uh, we're not uh, fathers looking for sons. We're not women scouring our houses for coins in these stories, and we're not shepherds going after sheep, but we're coins and sheep and sons that are lost, and we have a God that loves us enough to find us. Um, One of the uh, best songs that we sung on Wednesday after that service uh, uh, John, what's that song called that we sung uh, that would have been perfect for that service? I found Jesus. I found Jesus and he wasn't even lost. <laughs> we have a God who is not lost, who doesn't need us to seek out and find him, but is actually active in seeking us out. And the action that we take isn't so much searching and finding and discovering who God is, but finally saying, okay. You've sought me out. You've found me. You've pursued me, Lord. I give up running away. So that was the first one. The the second one uh, we talked about last week, uh, this idea that we can actually know who God is, uh, that we can actually know God because God uh, became flesh and walked among us in the person of Jesus. And if you know Jesus... And if you're connected to people who know him, his church, uh, you can actually know what God is like. And so there's actually a quick little slide that says that. Uh, But we'll just move on two more slides uh, to our last uh, thing. So there you go. We can actually know God. And and we talked about how John 1.15 talks about the word who is present at creation, put on flesh and walked around so that human beings could get to know the infinite, distant, um, impossibly different God of the universe, who should be so far away but chose to become so close. Uh, and so our next, our next slide is what we're talking about today. And, and it's this, um, that Jesus, the way of Jesus, that following Christ, that getting to know who God is, that being saved by him, uh, that it actually leads to abundant life. 
Now, those of you that are sitting in this room are, are probably thinking and saying, yes, pastor, of course, uh, following Jesus leads to abundant and eternal life. But sometimes, maybe not you, um, but maybe someone you know, um, has, has been convinced along the way, sometimes we get convinced along the way that uh, following Jesus is actually about restricting life. Um, I know um, when I first came here, people would tell me stories uh, about sort of back in the day at Bethel and how uh, if it was a Sunday morning and for whatever reason your family couldn't make it to church or you had uh, something else to do or maybe you were just enjoying life as a family at, you know, between like 9.30 and 10, you had to make sure that if you were kids, you were playing outside, you had to go hide on the other side of the house. <laughs> because if church people saw you out having fun and you weren't in church on Sunday morning, uh, it was going to be a, a thing, it was going to be a problem. And, and we kind of convince ourselves that, uh, that uh, the way of Jesus is about um, restriction and denial and not living life so that one day maybe we'll go to heaven. Uh, we convince ourselves that uh, the things that we really enjoy and love in life are somehow, um, somehow even bad because we enjoy them. Uh, but but the, the Bible tells us, and we're going to focus on this today, uh, that, that the way of Jesus actually leads to full life. And, and not the kind of life that you have to like squint your eyes and convince yourself is abundant because you know you're supposed to think that it is, but, but actually um, ab abundant life. And so I, I was just going to take a second uh, to ask, like, what is that, you know, what is that thing in your life that when you do it, um, it just, like, makes your heart beat and it just gets you excited and gives, gives you life? Does anybody have something? What's the one thing that you do that you really gives you life? If you want, you can get your Sunday school answers out of the way first, but but like really, when you sit down, playing with grandchildren, amen. That's a great one. I remember my, um, my father-in-law when uh, the first grandkids started getting born, and we'd all gather at my uh, wife's family's house for Christmas, and I could just see a look on his face that I had never seen before <laughs> of that joy and life of being with with grandkids anybody else have something that you that gives you life that you just you know it you feel it right away i had one this is going to sound silly but um at <laughs> this summer uh the first couple of of softball games we played at church i felt uh abundant life it was a great time and if you've ever watched you know i'm not any good at softball but um you know, we're together, we're pulling in the same direction. That is, is life. Um, I have a friend uh, that has a, has a fast car, and he let me drive it once or twice. And, and you feel that feeling when it's like, boom, like, whoa. Maybe you're a roller coaster person. Maybe uh, you play sports. I know a lot of you um, do just amazing and beautiful things with your hands, whether it's craftsmanship or, or working. And I'll bet that gives you life. At least I hope it, hope it does. Um, and so we're, we're sort of, we're talking, about, we're talking about that feeling. The part of it, that feeling is a part of it. That, that following uh, Jesus, uh, God made us, and he made those things in our bodies that, that get excited about, about positive things. He made that feeling. God knows that. Uh, when Jesus walked the earth, he got excited. He felt um, 
that exhilaration, that, that awesome feeling of community and connection and love. And, and he felt that this, that this is life feeling. Uh, and and I, I believe that God wants that for us and that we shouldn't have to uh, uh, squint our eyes and say, every time I'm enjoying something, it means that I'm somehow, somehow failing. Um, so let's, let's take a look. John 10, 10. And this is just a, a really short Bible verse. We're going to spend a lot of time in John. Um, Jesus is talking about how he is the gate for the sheep and that if the sheep uh, come through him, uh, they can be cared for by their good, good shepherd. Uh, they'll find that safe pasture, that life. And then in verse 10, you've heard this verse before. Uh, Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Some translations, the one that I memorized as a kid, I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. An abundance of life. Uh, another verse, and this is the, the Matthew, uh, Matthew 10 one, or Matthew uh, 11, 28 through 30. Uh, Jesus said, and this is sort of the other side of it, um, Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And that's take my, my discipline, my direction upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Uh, Jesus, Jesus said that, and, and I don't think he was lying. Uh, and, and yes, there is sacrifice to the Christian faith. And yes, uh, we're going to talk about that in, in a little bit. But I think we've got to take what Jesus said at, at face value sometimes. That following him, there's something about connecting to eternal life that isn't just for someday. It's not just if I beat myself up hard enough during my life on earth, someday I'll experience life and joy, uh, but maybe I'll experience abundant life in Christ now. His yoke is, is easy. And, and again, maybe you're, you're sitting here saying, yeah, pastor, this, this is obvious. I know, I know. Um, and, and that's the point of this, of this series, right? I, I know, I know. Uh, but sometimes faith doesn't always feel like that. Sometimes uh, in, in faith, it can make us feel more anxious and worried and running around. I, I don't know about you, but I know um, followers of Jesus that spend an awful lot of time, and, and myself included some days, spend an awful lot of time really, really anxious and worried about what everyone else in the world is doing really, really afraid of what might happen to them in the future. I know some followers of, of Jesus or some Christians that, that go to church uh, that uh, impose really restrict, really highly restrictive ways of, of living, that they beat themselves up every time they feel uh, enjoyment. I know some Christians that are reactionary. I know you don't know any like that. Um, some that are self-serious. Some... Um, that feel incredibly guilty all the time. Um, and, and I won't go into, into that too much, um, but I think that one might be one that a lot of us have in here um, as, as Christians. 
is, is a feeling of intense guilt. Oh, if only I had done this. I knew I should have done that. Or, oh, I know that habit is bad for me. And you just, like, beat yourself up about it all the time. I have uh, somebody that's really close to me that walked away from faith. And, and I will never forget what they told me is that for the first time, they didn't feel guilty anymore. Hey, think about that. That is not abundant life. Uh, the grace of Christ and the gospel is not about living your life uh, so um, burdened by guilt. When, when Jesus um, walked the earth, um, and this is my problem when I get off script, uh, he, he talked about the Pharisees, the religious leaders at the time. He said, they tie up heavy burdens on you to carry that they won't lift a finger uh, to help you with. Uh, and what he meant was, the, the religious world of the day was so about making sure everything was right, so focused on guilt, so focused on being perfect, that the religious leaders would sit uh, in their meetings, and as they gathered, every time they'd gather, and they'd say, you need to do this better, and you need to do that better, and you need to do this better, and they'd say, okay, you guys handle that, and, and they offered no help, offered no counsel, offered no support, and if your faith is leading you to feel like you have the weight of the world on your shoulders, it is not the abundant life that Jesus is offering. Because Jesus says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. I had a, a close uh, a Christian mentor once tell me uh, that because Paul said whatever you do, you should do for God's glory, it meant that you should never do anything that you enjoyed unless you could like work out in your head why it was somehow like an evangelism thing. And he told me, I only play disc golf because then I can tell people about Jesus. <laughs> And don't get me wrong, like evangelism's good. Telling people about Jesus, that's amazing, that's beautiful. Life comes out of that. But if you're at a point where you feel like you have to just every action, every gift that God's given you, every interaction with your grandparents with some kind, or grandkids with some kind of uh, spiritual reason, uh, you're straying away from what Jesus offers and you've lifted up or someone else has lifted onto your shoulders a heavy burden that you are not meant to carry. Because I'm not, I don't know about you, but I'm not sure who would want to follow Jesus if it meant that everything good that you enjoy was bad and wrong. And maybe, um, maybe we convince ourselves um, that we should uh, squint our eyes at those things and convince ourselves that, that it really is better and that, you know, if I make this trade, if I don't do all the things that are good, if I don't enjoy people, uh, if I carry this heavy burden now, then maybe someday I'll enjoy my life, but I, I think Jesus describes something different. And so we're going to look at the Gospel of John, uh, and on this next slide, we're going to look at a word that appears uh, 36 times in the Gospel of John. And, and that word is, is zoe, the Greek word zoe, if you know any zoes in your life. Um, uh, their name, it means life. Uh, so the little, uh, the second Jerusalem kid is Evangeline Zoe. She, her name means the gospel of life, drugsma, right? And so that word, zoe, uh, is, is all over the gospel of John, 36 times, uh, and it's used in, 20, uh, in the 21 chapters of the gospel of John. So if you think about that, uh, Jesus says that word life, and it's almost always said by Jesus. He says it multiple times in, in every 
chapter of, of the gospel, more, more or less, some uh, more than others. Uh, and so I just wanted to share a, a few of these examples um, because there's an uh, important thing to remember is that every time, almost every time Jesus uses uh, this word life, every time he talks about life, uh, the verbs, there's a little grammar for you, the verbs that it's connected to are, are present tense. Uh, they're not future tense. Uh, so that doesn't mean Jesus is saying, someday you'll experience this life I'm talking about. He means starting right now, you can experience uh, this, this life and on forever. Uh, so, so here we go. We're just going to look at a, at a few of them. So John 3.36. Uh, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. It doesn't say whoever believes in the Son will one day die and go to heaven and have eternal life. It says he who believes, the, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Uh, we'll get back to John 4, 14. Um, but John, let's see, uh, John 5, 24. Uh, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged but is crossed over from death into life. Do you hear the tense of the verb? Has crossed over. Not someday will cross over if they're really good. Um, here's, here's another one. Um, John, let's see, John six thirty three. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Jesus continues in 635. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Not someday will be fulfilled, not someday will be okay, um, but, but we'll be okay right, right now. This is abundant life in, in John. Uh, here's, here's another one. Um, let's see, where's a, where's a good one? John 8, 12. I am the light of the world, Jesus says. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Not one day, not if they're good enough, not if they figure it out. They'll have it right then and there. John 10, 28. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. Uh, again, they're living before they die. That means uh, on this side of, of heaven. Uh, John 17, 3. Now this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. And then John, the last time in the Gospel of John, John 20, 31. But these are written, John writes this, uh, that you may believe Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you may have life in his name. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. That's John 1. Four. It seems to me that when Jesus said, in him was life and life abundant, he wasn't playing word games. I don't think Jesus thought uh, that we would have to squint our eyes and convince ourselves that the anxiety and the fear and the worry and the burdens that we and others have put on our backs uh, are actually life when they're not. It seems to me that when Jesus said that if we accept him and embrace him, we can have abundant, eternal life in him, he really meant it, right? 
Amen, right? Uh, that it's not dependent on circumstance. It seems to me uh, that, that that life isn't dependent on circumstances. It's a life that flows regardless of them, that uh, comes up and fills up all of our activities with joy as evidenced by Jesus' self-sacrificial death on the cross. Jesus had this life, and when he died, where did it lead? To resurrection, right? It led to more life. Uh, but I think Jesus' best image is here. Uh, this is in, as I mentioned, um, mentioned before, um, chapter 4, John 4. He, uh, we talked about this story last week very briefly. But he meets this woman out by a well at, at noon hour for, in the day. And he asks her for a drink of water. Uh, even though he's a Jew and she's a Samaritan, uh, this is really uh, complicated. People would have really been weirded out by this, but he does it, he does it anyway. And when Jesus asks the Samaritan woman for, for water, uh, she says this, um, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For, and John tells us, for Jews did not associate with uh, Samaritans. But Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God, who it is that asks you for a drink, if you knew who I am, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Jesus says, if you knew who I was, you'd ask me for living water. And the woman says, um, sir, you have nothing to draw water with. The well is deep. Where can I get this living water? Uh, living water in the ancient world is, is the difference between a well and a stream. Uh, so he's saying, if you knew, you know, uh, stream water is flowing. It, it's fresher. It's better. Um, she says, where can I get this? You know, where's the spring? Where's the stream that I can get this living water from? Uh, you don't even have anything to draw water with, and this well is deep. Where can you get uh, living water? Why are you bothering me, Jesus? Uh, are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself? And so did his sons and also his livestock. And, and Jesus answered, uh, everyone who drinks this water, everyone who draws from this well uh, of, of life will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give them will never first thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Yeah, perfect, right there. Uh, this is what Jesus is saying, that, that whoever drinks uh, the life, whoever receives the life, the water that I'm giving them, uh, not only will they never thirst again, but uh, their thirst gets sort of, it's like a negative of, of a photo. It gets flipped on its head. Um, instead of eventually slowly getting thirsty over time, Jesus says, if you drink this water of life, the life inside of you, it won't run out, but instead, it's like a new spring, and it'll just be pouring out of you everywhere you go. It, it becomes an, an ever-flowing spring. You'll never thirst again. There's a spring inside of you, and in fact, uh, if, if you're a source of water, it means that others can drink uh, joy and life based on what's going on in you. Jesus says, if you drink my water, you won't need wells anymore. Because your life, your source, it won't come uh, from where you get your water or all of those things or the, the burdens that you place on yourself, but it'll come from me. Jesus says, what I'm offering is so good, so abundant, so much more that you won't need that well anymore. And it, and it doesn't mean that you won't have uh, good experiences and good gifts and good circumstances. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't enjoy God's gifts in life. But it means you won't need those experiences to have it. 
because life will be flowing out of you, your presence in Christ. You can have so much life that others will be energized by it just by being with you. Uh, it's, it's the opposite. What Jesus describes, the spring of water, is, is the opposite of that other picture we talked about, of the, the stoic, dour, and angry, and afraid Christian that some uh, preachers and some cultural figures want us to be. What Jesus is offering is the opposite of, well, I know Jesus, and I know where I'm going, but you figure out you. No, it's the, it's the opposite. Jesus' water makes us unstoppable fountains of life and joy wherever we go, not dedicated to defending ourselves and securing our own uh, protection, but so busy enjoying God's abundance and joy that we don't even have room to be afraid, not obsessed uh, trying to, to look for um, uh, opportunities uh, to, to struggle and suffer and to, to feel persecuted, but so full of real life that even real persecution doesn't phase someone in Christ. If we drink this living water, we no longer have to look uh, to dig our own wells of enjoyment and happiness. We no longer have to follow teachers or preachers or other cultural leaders and find life in their commands and their instructions and their false uh, certainties. Uh, if we have the life of Christ, we have so much, we don't have to dedicate ourselves to protecting ourselves anymore. We don't have to dedicate ourselves to making our own way in the world. We don't have to drink from the well of, of social media or TV and find life there because those wells dry up. Uh, they hit our dopamine centers for a while, but ultimately they fail and we're thirsty uh, for more. Jesus provides us with a water that quenches and it changes our life. It, it changes us uh, into the sort of people that can lead a life like Jesus, not uh, weighed down by the burdens that we feel others have placed on us, but instead joyfully laying ourselves down for others. In Philippians, Paul talks about it like this in Philippians 2. Um, he says, uh, verse 3, he says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, uh, and because of the life of Christ, I think we can do this. He says, rather in humility, put others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with each other, have the same mindset as Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name above every name. And at that name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. He says, be like your Savior who had so much power and so much life that he didn't have to protect himself, that he didn't have to fight a battle, but instead could lay himself down and die for us. He says, therefore, as, as my dear friends, have you, as you've always obeyed, not only my presence, but much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you and to act in order to fill his purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine like stars in 
the sky. Jesus can lay everything down because he knows where his life comes from. He doesn't have to dig wells for his own protection and happiness because he knows that his life comes from God. He knows God is holding on to it. And when we know we have enough life, when we can trust God to hold on to us, things change. When we have enough, it changes everything. When you have enough and your source in Christ, you can find joy even when life is, dwell, is drying up your wells. You can really, a, a lost, um, a challenged relationship really can be a place for God to work when you know where your source is. A lost job can really be a chance for God to do something different. A disagreement really can be a chance to lay yourself down and see God do something amazing. Fear and our worries about tomorrow really can be opportunities when your source comes from Christ. When you have enough, you no longer have to hoard and scrape and fight to protect yourself because you know you'll be okay. And that is fun. That is joy. That is adventure. Adventure that says, I can go and know that God will hold me. To step out. To love others in the same way a toddler walks off the edge of a table knowing mom will catch them. We're invited to connect ourselves to the person of Jesus, the source of life, and ask ourselves, where am I drinking from? Where am I looking for my security salvation, and safety. When others meet me, do they receive life or is it something else? My friends, we're invited to connect to Christ's body, the church, and through faith in him. Uh, we're invited to build our trust in him by laying down our rights for others. We're invited to drink living water that floods up in our souls. Eternal life, uh, abundant life, is not just for heaven someday. The author of, offer of living water and life abundant is for right now. Jesus said, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So may we follow him and lay aside those distractions and those burdens that pull us towards something else. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, you are the source of our life. If we put our faith in you, if we turn towards you, you've promised that you'll give us eternal life. And not a, uh, a check mark or a promissory note just for eternal life someday, though that is there. You promise that we begin that eternal life right now then when we turn to you. You invite us to turn to you, and so we do. And we ask that you plant a spring of living water in us, that we may uh, live our lives like we're connected to a source of life that cannot be stopped or hurt or taken away by anyone. A source of joy that is not quenched and stopped even by the most difficult of circumstances because you are a God of abundant life. And for that, we thank you. In your name, amen. Amen. Let's conclude our service in praise.
Thanks for listening. I want to invite you to join us in worship Sundays at 10 a.m., both in person or online at facebook.com slash Bethel Covenant Church. Thanks and have a great day.